Welcome back to Acting White with your host, Michael Sale. There's no comedic open today. I'd like to do a post-mortem, poor choice of words, on Afghanistan. Just a word of warning before we get started. You might hear the Acting White Kitten in the background. Well, that's also a poor choice of words as well, because the Acting White Kitten is actually an FOC a feline of color. So I just wanted to point that out before we get started. What I'm going to say is addressed to America as a nation. We are all responsible in some way, small as it may be, for the death and chaos in Afghanistan. There's no way to tell if the same thing would have happened under Trump. It may have, and it may not have, but that's not the question here. However, if you voted for Joe Biden, and you're not a copy machine, in particular, you ignored the warning signs that many of us told you would happen with this administration. I, for one, saw the incompetence the carelessness and the recklessness and the fact that everything is a soundbite or a staged photo op. But you never saw the big picture. You didn't care to look at it. You didn't care to hear the facts. Had the same thing happened under Trump, I'm sure the outcry, which was bad, would have been much worse from the media and it would still be happening today. Maybe you ignored it for another reason. Maybe you ignored the warning signs from those uh, crazy right-wingers that you uh, have to bear. Maybe you ignored it because you wanted health care. Maybe you ignored it because you cared more about your student loan forgiveness. Maybe you ignored it because they had... Uh, conned you into believing some sort of gender rights were at stake. Maybe you thought, oh no, I'm not going to be able to abort my baby. What am I going to do? And so you voted for one of the worst administrations and one of the most incompetent that ever occupied the White House because of it. That's what happens when you put your own desires and selfish wants ahead of the good of a country. Make no mistake, if Trump was in command and he did this, I'd be criticizing him too but I seriously doubt that would have occurred. Also, don't make the mistake. A lot of right-wingers are, are making this mistake. They're saying Biden's incompetent, but in the same tone, they'll say, well, Biden's not really running things. It wouldn't matter. The default, the default setting for these folks is incompetence. It's always been incompetence. Think back to the Obama years, how we were told over eight years, well, we just can't get economic growth. It's a thing of the past. It can't happen. And it was blown away in four years under Trump. Eight years of failure were whitewashed by the media to conceal the truth from you. And speaking of our friends in the media, this was finally a time where they had to give it to us honestly. Not even they could deny how bad the situation really was. 
Not even they could deny the scope of the disaster. They broadcast the ineptitude in all of its glory, spread across from television screen to print, so that everybody could see exactly how bad it was. I want to draw a comparison here for a moment. When the media showed us the amount of military equipment that was left behind, it was enough to make the Taliban one of the top 20 armies in the world based on the billions of dollars of equipment that was left. They gave it to us honestly. I'd like to morph back and take a remembrance of the Battle of Stalingrad. When the Germans finally surrendered in February 1943, the Nazi media, surprisingly, gave it to the German citizens honestly. The German citizens knew that the army had surrendered and that that was a calamity. But I guess this goes with Afghanistan. When the Nazis lost at Stalingrad, it wasn't defeat. The German army was not defeated at Stalingrad. It was a catastrophe. This is a catastrophe as well. We don't know how bad. We don't know if this is going to signal the end of the American empire. It could and it could not. No one knows that for sure. But it is a little bit of a comparison that goes to show you how two corrupt medias, two, two corrupt medias that were very, very similar in a lot of what they've said, could no longer deny the facts. They could no longer put the puppet show in front of you and expect you to believe it. To their credit, both of them said, yes, this was a defeat. Now, I'm not saying that the Nazi regime was honest after that, and they certainly weren't before it. But even they realized the scale of it, and even our media realizes the scale of this. A defeat so bad, and a defeat so rare in any sort of, in every country has them throughout their history. But this is a defeat so rare that it literally can shake the planet. Next, I want to make a philosophical and a theological argument. We will be punished as one. We will be punished as a nation. No nation can abandon human beings, men to death, women to death and rape, children to death and rape, and not be held accountable for some sort of consequence. I don't care what you want to call it. It can be Al-Qaeda. It could be ISIS-K. It could be ISIS, China, Russia. You could call it karma or you could call it God. Our punishment will surely come as I am sitting here doing this broadcast. To paraphrase Haile Selassie, it is them today. It will be us tomorrow. You see, failure can happen in one year, and failure can happen in 20 years, 
and failure can happen in a hundred years. But the taste is always the same. There's a difference between success and failure. Not everyone knows what success looks like, but everyone knows what failure looks like because everyone has failed and some have never succeeded. There's a difference between an endless war and a presence. If we closed 10 military bases throughout the world, but kept Bagram Air Force Base, the situation would be vastly different and not nearly as empty. A couple of quick thoughts here. Number one, I don't want to hear any more French military jokes. The French military acquitted itself very well. And with the exception of one world war, it has been taking a beating for the last 70 years. The French army, by all accounts, was one of the bravest, rescuing as many people as they could, in many cases, their own citizens. So I think we're a little hard, as always, on the French. And let's try to keep one thing in context. The French army under Napoleon nearly conquered Europe and did conquer Europe sans Russia. The French army also fought to allow the evacuees to get out of Dunkirk. They fought extremely well. And British generals noted how brave they were in sacrificing themselves to give them more time. So I don't want to bash the French and I think that before we bash them, we might want to start looking at our own army and our own leadership. They're not French toast anymore. Second quick thought is U.S. Army doctrine right now is a mess. I study military history as a hobby, mainly to see what political system it brings. In many cases, such as in Hannibal, it really had no effect despite the great uh, tactical command. But right now, as things stand, wherever the U.S. Army fights, it's likely to be outnumbered. It may not be outnumbered by equal soldiers. In many cases, it is not and likely won't be. But regardless of that, U.S. Army doctrine right now is to go fight a war. You're going to be outnumbered and you're going to rely on air support. I shudder to think what's ever going to happen if we don't have control of the air. And you can also bet that all the countries that want to line up against us are going to be looking at the same thing. Is our army going to be able to stand up? Maybe we should have someone from the Taliban come and teach tactics. At least they'd be able to hear from somebody who won something. The U.S. Army currently as it stands, also does not believe in killing the enemy to win. I don't know where the phrase win the hearts and minds of the population came from. I assume it came from neocons, but I'm not sure. But that is a statement which has proven to make wars completely unwinnable. I'm not saying that you go in and indiscriminately bomb a city. But what I am saying is you get intelligence 
and you bomb the people that you're fighting. The tried and true way to win a war, as General Patton would, kill, would tell you, is to kill the other guy, make him die for his country. It was a great man, Michael Savage, once said, we've gone from General Patton to General Patton Leather. If we could only get Mark Milley out of the CRT classes, then maybe we could actually win a war. Also, hey, we killed a family. That's right, you heard me. We killed a family in a white Toyota pickup. Now, maybe that's what Millie uh, is concerned about at the Pentagon. Maybe he thought the uh, white pickup was going to go into some kind of white rage and hold back uh, a POC or two, and so the pickup had to go. But in all seriousness, I just want to le read a snippet of an article that appeared on Zero Hedge. New York Times confirms Biden murdered innocent family in Kabul drone strike. President Joe Biden murdered an innocent family when the U.S. military conducted a righteous strike on August 29th against a vehicle that American officials thought was an ISIS bomb that posed an imminent threat to thousands of people at the Kabul airport. In a late Friday afternoon report, always funny how it's late Friday, New York Times reveals that military officials said they did not know the identity of the car's driver when the drone fired, but deemed him suspicious because of how they interpreted his activities that day, saying that he possibly visited an ISIS safe house and, at one point, loaded what they thought could be explosives into the car. Times reporting has identified the driver as Zamiri Ahmadi, a longtime worker for the USA Group. The evidence, including extensive interviews with family members, co-workers, and witnesses, suggested his travels that they actually involved transporting colleagues to and from work. And an analysis of the video feeds showed that what the military may have seen was Mr. Ahmadi and a colleague loading canisters of water into his trunk to bring home to his family. While the U.S. military said the drone strike might have killed three civilians, Times reporting shows that it killed 10, including seven children, in a dense residential block. Mr. Ahmadi, 43, had worked since 2006 as an electrical engineer for Nutrition and Education International, a California-based aid and lobbying group. The morning of the strike, Mr. Ahmadi's boss called from the office at around 8.45 a.m. and asked him to pick up his laptop. As we noted last week, NBC News spoke with members of the Ahmadi family who said they were hoping to make it onto an evacuation flight out of Kabul before the United States ended its withdrawal from the country. They were 10 civilians, said Emil Ahmadi, whose two-year-old toddler, Malika, was among those killed. My daughter, she was two years old, he said. That day, Ahmadi's cousins, Miri Ahmadi, 38, had just pulled up at home from work with his 13-year-old son, Farzad, his youngest of three, racing to greet him. Farzad, who had just learned to drive, wanted to park his father's car, a wish Zamari was happy to oblige as other family members gathered around. It was in that moment that Ahmadi said an explosion tore through the vehicle, killing Zamari, Farzad, and eight other family members, as was first reported by the New York Times and the Washington Post. Malika Ahmadi, say her name. Not the name of some thug who got himself killed through his own stupidity. I suggest that as Americans, all of us, download a picture 
of this family or the family that is left in mourning. So we never forget what happened. Also may help us know exactly who the enemy is. And the enemy is us. The withdrawal from Afghanistan is leaving the world in peril. For the first time in years, the invincibility of the United States is shattered. And it is shattered in Afghanistan. No one knows what the comeuppance from this will be. And anybody that tells you is lying. There may be no long-term effect. It may be just a short-term effect. But none of us know right now. And all we're left to is our own devices and our own predictions. And if you had to ask anybody with knowledge in those areas, they would almost certainly predict more mistakes, more losses, and additional peril in the future. And so as I close tonight, my message to you would be do everything you can to get educated and to be informed. We don't know what lies ahead, but it doesn't mean we can't prepare for all possibilities. Pick the worst scenario you think that could happen and prepare for it. By doing so, you'll have prepared for every other scenario. It's Michael Sale, and the next time I talk to you, I'll be hoping to have some announcements about where you'll be able to find me on a website in your neighborhood. Good night.